You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. What's the one thing most history books all over the world have in common? That they're seriously lacking in the melanin department. Wondery's new podcast, Black History For Real, introduces you to the most overlooked black history makers you should already know about. Like Asada Shakur of the Black Panther Party, or the richest man in the history of the world, who was black. And every once in a while, they'll even be spilling some historical tea, like W.E.B. Du Bois's son-in-law, County Cullen. After his wedding, the Harlem Renaissance-era poet promptly ran off to Europe with his alleged lover, who was also his best man. I'm about to play a clip from the show, and you can follow Black History For Real on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen everywhere on February 5th, or you can listen early and ad-free on Wondery Plus starting January 29th. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Warning. This episode includes depictions of violence. Everything ain't for everybody, y'all. Please be advised. It's a little before 1 a.m. on May 2nd, 1973. Asada Shakur shoots a nervous glance at the rearview mirror from the passenger seat of a Pontiac Le Mans. She's rolling down a dark New Jersey turnpike. The driver is a comrade in the Black Liberation Army, BLA for short. Another comrade cracks a joke from the back seat, but Asada doesn't respond with her usual laugh. She knows the short journey will be anything but easy for the three of them, and all she can think about are the many ways she could go left. The BLA is an underground Black nationalist militant operation composed mostly of former Black Panther Party members. The police have been closing in on the BLA in New Jersey for months. Asada saw the same sort of police escalation and sabotage lead to the disintegration of the Black Panthers. She knows the government pulls out all the stops when their targets are making an escape. Both comrades laugh at the joke, but Asada shushes them. She points out a pair of headlights in the mirror, the same lights that have been trailing them for some time. The driver nervously clenches the wheel and slows, giving the car room to pass. It doesn't. Instead, its headlights are joined by flashing red and blue and a siren. Asada curses, wiping beads of sweat from beneath her afro. The driver's trembling foot is ready to go on the accelerator, but Asada shakes her head. She doesn't expect engaging with the pigs to be safe, but a car chase could be even more dangerous. They need more time to figure out a plan. The driver sighs. He knows she's right. He pulls over. The cop parks behind them, leaving only the sound of the three militants trying desperately to calm their anxious breaths. Right then, another police car arrives. A white officer exits from each vehicle and approaches either side of the BLA car, one blinding Asada with his bright flashlight through her window. A state trooper asks for the driver's name. He lies. Asada asks why they've been pulled over, and she would put it on her mama, but it's another lie when the trooper mentions their broken taillight. The second trooper tells the driver to get out of the car so he can question him at the rear of the vehicle. Asada gives an encouraging squeeze to her comrade's sweaty hand before he reluctantly exits. What happens next is all a blur. And what Asada recalls, the police will later dispute. 
The first trooper tells Asada to raise her hands, and with a smirk, he shoots her when she complies. Damn this mister. Asada opens the door and stumbles onto the road bleeding. The backseat comrade jumps out and onto the first trooper struggling for the gun. This don't sound like it's going in well. Oh, just you wait. Sada hears more shots as she crawls through her own blood into the backseat of the Pontiac, gasping for air. She can barely take it all in before the driver jumps back into the driver's seat, disheveled, and speeds down the road. Asada's vision gets fuzzy, but minutes later, she makes out more red and blue lights heading straight towards them from all directions. Run, girl, run! She would, but there's nowhere to go. The driver skids off the road and gives Asada an apologetic look. She frowns. The BLA comrade knows she hates being pitied and tells him to go. The driver runs off, leaving Asada to contemplate the nightmare she just witnessed. The comrade is in the back seat, and the second trooper's lifeless body is on the ground. She seethes at the thought that if she wasn't black, she'd never be forced into this mess and her friend would still be alive before she loses consciousness. 